Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, fellow explorers, to Awareness Explorers. I'm Jonathan Robinson, your co-host, and I'm with my friend and co-host... Brian Tom O'Connor. And we are honored with a teacher that I've been reading a lot about and hearing a lot about, Leslie Schuyler. Hi, Leslie. We're going to do your bio first, and then I'm looking forward to asking you a lot of questions because I hear a lot of great things about you. Anyways... Leslie Schuyler is a teacher of spiritual awakening and stable embodied enlightenment. She focuses on helping people move beyond glimpses or initial transitory awakening and opening to and stabilizing in higher consciousness. She had a spontaneous radical life-altering experience of Satori or enlightenment, which really shook her world at about age 9 or 10. And since then, she spent many years as a renunciate, living in ashrams and working deeply with direct teachings of enlightenment in both East and West. She has studied and practiced Zen Buddhism, Dochen, and the non-duality teachings of Ramana Maharshi and Nizargadatta Maharaj. She has a degree in psychology, has counseled, and initially worked in peace and human rights endeavors. And Leslie has traveled extensively and lived in many countries around the world. She has two grown-up children, and her website is www.lesliescheiler.com. That's L-E-S-L-E-Y-S-K-Y-L-A-R.com. We made it through the introduction, and welcome to Awareness Explorers, Leslie. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here with both of you and with everybody who will be watching today. I'm a little bit familiar with your teachings just because of things on you know, the Finders community. and some friends who have taken your courses. And my first question would be, what would you say makes your presentation of your teachings unique or maybe a different emphasis than a lot of the non-dual teachings that are out there? I'm not sure I would use the word unique. The teaching is not mine. It comes through. I'm sort of given over to the work of teaching. But if I had to point to some difference or emphasis, it would be the fact that I focus on liberation. Many teachings claim to focus on liberation, but there are many different levels or degrees of openness, as you mentioned in my bio, from glimpses to really transitory sort of periods or states of openness. So what I've seen in the course of my own journey and working with lots of people around the world, is that there are certain forms of engagement and practice that allow us to stabilize these glimpses and to ultimately liberate ourselves from the conditioned sense of self. So that's where my attention is very much focused on in the teaching. And it really is a process of, you could say, deconstruction. We're looking at deconstructing or 
deconditioning or seeing through all the limited views and beliefs and conditioning that we hold. So the, the emphasis I have is on deep engagement. Of course, any teaching can be helpful. If one dabbles a little, you'll get some benefit from it, but not the kind that you're looking for. If you're looking to go, go really deep or stabilize anything at a higher level, that requires a, a much more comprehensive engagement with a deep dive into some really deep territory. And when I work with people, I also give direct feedback. I sort of tune into your energy. I can feel as I get to know people where they are, where they might be stuck. And because I've done this journey myself for so long and you know worked with a number of people, the awareness or the consciousness here has um, quite a lot of clarity regards, regarding the journey and where the the sticking points are, and so that I'm aware too. I see the individual. I see what is causing one to to be a little tripped up or plateaued wherever you are, and I also know what is needed, metaphorically, where you are in the journey and what 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 I could give or share in terms of practice or guidance or transmission-based energetic invocation, as it were. I generally work on all of those dimensions simultaneously to help people really go deep. So it, it generally will, will create quite a step change in someone's practice and, right. and their life and all sorts of things might show up that can be a little, little scary, but, but it's real. It shows that the work is engaged, is very real. So I'm interested in depth and I'm interested in real liberation. Um, if you ask me any more questions about what is in this deep higher territory, I'd love to say more about that as well. Well, that's uh -huh. such a lovely summary. And as a matter of fact, it, it, it actually dovetails with what I was planning to ask as my first question, which was that I've, I've seen that you do make a distinction between awakening and liberation. Uh, sometimes you described it as between opening or awakening and abiding realization. So are there, because a lot of people think, oh, awakening, that's it, I'm there. So are, So there are two steps you can awaken and then you haven't really seen through the illusion of separate self or how would you describe the difference between awakening and liberation? Right. So I'm going to make it a little more full on than what you've just said there. I would say that there are many, many, many layers and levels. This is a journey of infinite consciousness opening to its own beingness. So what you're dealing with is infinity. You're dealing with almost, let's say we could say infinite levels, but for the sake of our discussion, there are lots of levels and layers, but we could we can categorize them, we can group them together to make it more understandable for people. So I distinguish between awakening, and within awakening, there can be degrees. Someone might have a very shallow awakening, a little glimpse. Someone might have a really deep, full-on, much more substantive awakening. So the degree, the type, the nature of the awakening is going to put you somewhere you could say on a continuum of depth. If it's a real, if it's a tiny little glimpse, I may, may not even call it an awakening. It may just be the beginning of an opening. If it's really profound and it shifts one's sense of self in a semi-permanent way, or there's a significant shift in not just your imagined sense of self, but actually how you live your life, your choices, your actual perspective shifts. That is a more substantive awakening. So we've got the spectrum already opening up and there may be 
different levels, many levels between an initial opening or a deeper awakening. And then that continues lots and lots of levels, we could say, until that then is stabilized. The say deep awakening can then be stabilized into something that opens into the most profound thing that you could ever imagine. It's got many levels and layers and degrees of connection with the energy of the divine, the pure consciousness, the source energy itself. But that only comes about in a full and stable way if there's been enough deconstruction. So if we take the, the awakening and we then work with that with deeper practices, which then allow the, the self-sense to be deconstructed more, we're emptying the vessel of its tendency to be identified with certain of its content. Any identification or attachment with content thoughts, beliefs, desires, wishes, goals, dreams, the whole of the self-sense, the whole worldview that you're in, that's all content. That has to be fundamentally seen through, which then allows awakening ultimately to potentially deepen and stabilize into something that I would describe as enlightenment. So enlightenment's really deep territory. Not many people get there because people don't really engage in the way that's going to allow them to get there. So enlightenment would be really deep, stable awakening, where there basically is no longer any bondage to any of the content or the self-sense. It's not a state of perfection as such. Human beings, we've got all sorts of little bits and pieces here and there. But it's a very deep, high, very stable condition, which is not a state. It doesn't come and go. It's not an experience, enlightenment. It is a condition or a vantage point that opens up if sufficient deep and comprehensive work has been done. Is the process for how to deconstruct the self similar throughout, or is it different at different levels? I would say there, there's, a, there are, there's a fundamental, uh, there's a foundation that I teach, and there are certain practices that are foundational, those we continue with right from the beginning glimpse right through to, in, to enlightenment. But what we will do is we will refine and fine tune the way I help people fine tune the way they're engaged with these practices. So what we're doing is we're deepening, deepening and refining. So the way that someone who's a very advanced student or a yogi is engaging in a particular practice is going to be completely different than a way a novice is engaging. It may be the same practice. Take meditation, for example, or the Zogshan moment-to-moment practice that I teach. But the level and the nature of the engagement can be radically different. So I add layers of nuance and understanding tweak and fine-tune the deepening of the engagement in the practice, which draws you deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. And then at certain points, I will add certain additional practices that I don't teach right in the beginning. For example, a long and deep look into things like shadow, which are really deep stuck points. You could say really deep blind spots that are very, very difficult to see and create significant impediments to this stable enlightenment that I'm describing. So things like shadow are added. I, I work more deeply on great deeper levels of fear that may not be apparent initially in the journey. A much deeper look and work with the nature of the self-sense. 
So some of these, some of the deep territories are not really appropriate for novice or beginning practitioners. So I simply mm -hmm. add them in as I see someone is ready and able to go more deeply. I will add certain things to the foundational practices, mm -hmm. uh, inquiries in particular, and, and very deep pointers to actually work with. And how do you tell? Uh, is it a, is it your intuition, or are there certain? Do you have certain things that you look for to 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 tell what people are ready for and what they're not? Right. So that it's a combination of me sort of tuning into your energy, feeling where you are, seeing your stuck points, and basically every sentence that you speak reveals to me your point of view. It tells me how you're speaking and where you're speaking from. Plus, as you add more sentences, if I'm engaging with someone, I can see what you value, what's important to you. I can see the shape of your worldview. And that also helps me situate you where you are. And of course, your own description of your life and what, what is happening to you and how your practices are going, together with your own intuitive sense of where you are, because that's what I do when I work with people. I'm not just throwing things at people. It's a very deep engagement. Like I'm, I'm feeling your energy. I'm working with you. I'm connected with you in a very, very deep way. So I'm feeling you. And then people sharing with me, I'm asking them questions. They're sharing what's going on. They're describing what they're doing with a particular practice I've given. And all of that, together with me, you know, feeling more energetically, shows me where people are. So, for example, if I give you a particular practice or a series of pointers to work with, and then I say to you, Brian and Jonathan, tell me, how did you do with that practice and the pointers? Your response and your answers are going to tell me exactly what I need to hear about where you are. And, of course, not everybody is a master at self-reporting. So what you report may not necessarily align with what I see. So I'm tuning into something much deeper than the words I'm tuning into your energy and I'm also looking at how your life is unfolding because the way your life is and where you put your time and your energy is a sign of, of the depth of your own practice as well. Mm, so it's, it's, it's a very deep composite view. I'm not just taking pot shots and hoping things land. It's a very deep, a deep attunement. So people just have to stay with the process and, more is given and then you work and then I give more and then you work and then we see where it all goes. Mm -hmm. Would you be able or willing to uh, give an example of a practice you find useful in deconstructing one's sense of self? Sure. I could describe two very briefly and I'll try and be very brief. Uh, the, these are all really profound practices, so there's nothing really brief about them, but so I focus very deeply on inquiry when I work. A large part of the conditioning is anchored in the worldview, your belief structure. And beliefs are not only the things you think are your beliefs, but they're actually unconscious presumptions you have as well. Mm -hmm. So with deep inquiry, and I've got various ways that I help people inquire or teach people to inquire more deeply by giving pointers, those focus in on the things that I can see where someone is stuck. For example, if I'm trying to, if I'm noticing some shadow, I will give particular pointers to go into that shadow to help illuminate it. So the whole process of deep inquiry is about allowing the light 
to penetrate more deeply, to illuminate what is not being seen. In that illumination, one sees through the contracted or conditioned or bound forces of the consciousness in you, and then those can be released through a combination of insight, revelation, understanding, and practice. So uh, inquiry is very significant in what I teach. The second practice that I love, and I've got a number of others, but mention another one, is a, is a practice I've taken from my own work with Zogshin, Zogshin teachers and masters, Tibetan, Nepalese, so a form of Zen, D-Z-O-G-C-H-E, Zen, it's a silent D, Zogshin. Very profound liberation practices, very deep lamas and, and masters, Rinpoche's that I've worked with both in the body and also not in the body. I've had a number of teachers that are not, have, have not been in the body. I, I've connected with them energetically and psychically. So through that, I've distilled a practice that I teach called moment to moment, where what I'm doing in the moment to moment practice that I teach is helping you see that there's a connection through the thread of the way your life is lived moment to moment between your understanding and all the practices that you might do, your own form of meditation or whatever practices that you might do, we don't want to simply move away from the depth when we get up off the meditation cushion or you open to some revelatory territory when you're inquiring and it's deep and clear, something is deep and clear, but then when you take a shower or you're making lunch or taking the dog for a walk, everything seems to sort of come back down to a much more pedestrian or lower view of consciousness and maybe the self-sense takes over again. So the moment-to-moment -moment practice is a way of connecting your practices and it asks you to notice in each moment, obviously you can't do this every single second, but every now and again when you can remember it, you ask yourself a simple question like, where am I right now? Am I more connected with the lower consciousness the self-sense that I know was Brian or Jonathan, the familiar territory of I am me and I got all these ideas and views and beliefs and this is, this is my world, versus something that you might have experienced either in meditation, through revelation, if you've worked with psychedelics, a number of different ways that higher consciousness can open, where that view is not the same. So the moment-to-moment -moment practice asks you to remember that you don't need to be pulled into or entangled in a lower consciousness view right now. Right now, there's a possibility that you can relax, surrender, allow your own energy to expand somewhat and feel a slightly higher vantage point than that limited self that you're in. Now, when this practice is deepened, there are many really deep vantage points you can open to very quickly by really releasing your, your own entanglement energetically and um, psychically and mentally with your own belief structure and your own worldview. So that's, it's a very, very profound practice and it's, you know, it's got a lot of depth to it. Does that make sense what I've shared there? Because that's, it does. You know, I, it does I normally sense. take a long time to explain this, but <laughs> I've tried to do this in five minutes. So it, no, it, it really does make a lot of sense. And I really appreciate both of those because a lot of people say, a lot of people have the idea that 
everything, all the work is done while they're sitting on a cushion or in their chair meditating. And then they're surprised. Then you hear this over and over again. And then as soon as I stopped meditating or as soon as I left the retreat, <laughs> you hear this kind of thing over and over. And right. the, the practice of noticing moment to moment throughout the day, I, I think is, 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 a, is a beautiful practice. Hmm. You know, I, you and I had uh, several emails back and forth and it made yes. me think, how is Leslie experiencing the emails differently than I am? Because I, I am pretty good at meditating and sinking in when I'm not doing something. But as soon as the doer comes in, in line, you know, I have 50 emails I got to get through. My consciousness definitely goes down right. into the doer and just getting something done. And I, I was curious how you would guide somebody to learn how to be less fixed attention and less goal oriented or, or access to higher states while being able to do something. Right. So this is where the moment to moment practice comes in and other things that I teach. So it's a process. There isn't one sort of magic bullet here. There isn't one practice that you could say, this is it. If I just do this simple one, two, three, and if I do it for a week, you know, then I'm going to be enlightened. It is absolutely nothing like that. I've engaged this work my entire life, basically. I've done some other things as well prior, but it takes really deep work to actually have significant transformation. So I just want to, to underline that. I don't want to make it sound like you just take the simple thing and you do it, and by tomorrow the whole structure is deconditioned. It just does, does not work like that. Um, so if one wants the real deal, the real work, one's got to engage at some depth. And so what that would involve would be to create a practice which has enough stillness, not only meditation, there are various forms of stillness practice where you, you want to create space for yourself every day to align and attune to the deepest part of yourself. Of course, you're practicing that to some degree when you're meditating, when you're inquiring, and this moment-to-moment -moment practice I'm talking about. Because if there's too much time in a given day spent in the task mode, in the doer, what you're doing basically is reinforcing the self-structure in that doer mode. Uh, it's a very different vantage point than the deeper territory. So if one's life is too busy, if you're literally running from activity to activity and you've got little meditation here and there interspersed, you are spending a lot of your energy basically reinforcing your self-structure. Every moment that you live through the self-structure is a reinforcing of the self-structure. So spiritual practice is designed to create more space in your life to, to kind of give you time and space to attune to something deeper than that. Then every moment you're attuning with something deeper, you're creating the space for the higher consciousness to, to flow more fully. So your degree of entanglement in the doer energy is going to be a function of how your practice is structured. Mm -hmm. If there's too little stillness and too little deep practice, it's going to be very hard to do the moment-to-moment -moment practice or, or to be clearer when you've got the doer energy going. So for those who are serious, 
you you change your life. You that's why people go off to ashrams and retreats and and one doesn't and caves. One doesn't necessarily have to do that, but you do need. I would say, if you want to really go deeper, you do need to create a little more space in your life for that. So if you allow more time in your day for stillness and then incorporate the moment-to-moment practice, which is a remembering that there is some, there's, a different, there's a different possibility here. It's not just the slipstream of my conditioned consciousness. So, for example, you could sit down at your computer when you're about to do your email and you could literally take a moment to do your moment-to-moment right there. Take a breath. Okay, I'm about to engage my work now at the computer with my email. Let me see if I can just be present. Allow my attention to open wide, spacious, and expansive. Feel comfortable and rested. And now let's see if I can engage my first email with a little more of the spaciousness present. So it may not feel the same as when you're doing a deep meditation. It won't in the beginning when you practice that. But in a way, it's like you've now got the doer energy that's rested in a context or a spaciousness of being that's a little deeper and a little wider. And if you keep practicing in that way, what you're doing is you're deepening your attunement to the expansive energy and you're interrupting the slipstream that keeps you in the condition view. It's a default, strong default, and it'll keep going back to the self view unless it's interrupted with practice, with moments of stillness, and with an intention to attune more in that way. Great answer. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, and uh, and so helpful. And uh, it, it aligns with my, my experience, too. There's sort of a, you know, going back and forth between the deep, longer periods of practice in the moment to moment it, the the deeper practice it's sort of like there's a perfume left over right even exactly. though you're not necessarily actively doing the practice that somehow can infuse your day-to-day practical things that you do exactly exactly and then one just leans into your practice overall to deepen that so there's more there are more moments of remembering or the moment-to-moment practice in the day which will then gradually over time deepen that perfume so the perfume doesn't doesn't linger just for a few seconds or a minute you'll notice the perfume lingers more deeply and ultimately you become the perfume so it doesn't come and go but that that you know that obviously that one comes to that point when there's there's been deep consistent practice over time where basically what you're doing is you're training the brain and the nervous system to no longer relate to every piece of content that arises in your awareness, every thought, every feeling, and every sensation. As a default mode, you will take those to be true and real and you. Whereas, in fact, that is not what is happening here at all. What is happening is that consciousness is animating these body-minds the body mind is a sort of a an avatar that consciousness is animating you know, a, a human bodysuit that consciousness is wearing these bodysuits or these avatars work in a certain way the little vessel has a big brain and it's got a beautiful nervous system but it doesn't have a person called Brian or Jonathan sitting inside it it is pure consciousness that is animating the whole thing and so 
that consciousness can show up in one of two fundamental ways with the spectrum that I described earlier in between, either in a conditioned form where you believe that you're Brian or you're Jonathan and you're doing a little practice to try to shift that view, or when it's clearer and clearer at the level, you could say, of enlightenment, what occurs is that there's no longer the sense of being a self in a body-mind. One, There's been such deep dissolution of the conditioning, and as that conditioning falls away, the light comes through more and more fully, and the light or the pure consciousness self-recognizes itself as itself. Mm-hmm. And the deeper that gets, and then it invokes and it invites and it calls you. It wants the fullness of you because everything else is seen to be an illusion or, you know, a, a fictitious, fictitious character that you were sort of immersed in or entangled in up until that point. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point in very deep territory, there's an incredibly profound period when the consciousness recognizes itself as itself, as consciousness. And it recognizes that it's not only this body-mind called Leslie or Brian or Jonathan, it's everything. It's as if it, it recognizes or it remembers or it, it realizes that this body-mind or this avatar called Leslie or Jonathan or Brian are simply three portals or ways through which the consciousness views or experiences itself in reality, but it's doing that on infinite levels all the time. It's omnipresent as every form and the formless simultaneously. And at a very high level, there's a kind of unification, there's a dissolution of the self-sense and the opening to the profundity of realization that one is this pure consciousness itself. You could describe it as God. It's mm-hmm. even the word God, not the God of the religions, the <laughs> real one, the real one, not, not a creature, not a being, nothing that we've written in a book, but something so incredibly profound that it is absolutely ineffable. And, you know, if I, if I sit and transmit some of this more deeply we will have to end the session it is so beautiful and profound Mm. I'm normally weeping when that is happening and so I up until now I don't tend I I sort of I'm creating a bridge so of course that awareness is present and that's what I'm living from right now but if I were to completely give myself over to it and express it to you right now it is it's infinite love Mm -hmm. boundless intelligence limitless tenderness and peace and joy just beyond the beyond the beyond and even those words are yeah so that's where it goes and that's that's actually what's on the journey is consciousness itself and at a certain point you can actually come to realize this in your own experience if if the deconditioning has gone deep enough if if there's enough of the clutter of the entanglement of your own content, if enough of that has been dissolved, the sense of the consciousness itself as a living, ancient, timeless being will start to poke through in your own awareness. Um, You may not recognize it initially because it doesn't look like what you think it does, but it takes deep stillness and 
immense clarity in the being for it to come through very fully. But that's where it goes. And so that's what everything is. That's what each of you are, except that you're, in a way, living in the illusion that, to some degree, that you're a Brian or a Jonathan. Well, you speak very poetically, Leslie, and, and it's a beautiful how you how you uh, create words around that. I have a question. You know, I read a bunch of stuff on your website and other places that made me think that one of the approaches you have is to allow people to fully experience their feelings without resistance. And, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. And I certainly understand the importance of that. And yeah, I also see for myself and other people, sometimes people get stuck in wallowing in feelings and not being able to get out of that eddy. And I'm wondering if you can comment on that, when it might be appropriate that people not just uh, surrender to feelings, but have other ways of dealing with them that will keep them from getting stuck or in a, like a victim role. Right. So that's a really good point that you're making there, Jonathan. And I completely agree with you that there, there are ways in which people can think that they're opening, but their opening is more like a wallowing, which is not what I, what I'm teaching as openness. So when I work with people, I don't just give the practices willy-nilly, just throw them like throwing mud at the wall and hope something sticks. There's a lot of instruction and guidance. And um, essentially, I teach a process of working with deep emotional content that's got two parts. The first part of it is an opening. And generally, I will teach that in the context of other practices and, and other spiritual understandings. So it is not just psychological work we're doing. It's, it's psychological work that opens into the context of a vast spiritual understanding. So there's a context in which one begins the process of opening and there are various guidelines and practices and instructions that I give people to try to show them what I mean by openness, none of which includes a wallowing. So a wallowing is when we, we have some content arising, but we get stuck in it and we add narratives and stories to that and, and basically trap ourselves in it through self-pity and various other forms. So there are ways to see that um, and there are ways to inquire to allow that log jam to be broken as such. But the practice that I teach for really deep openness sort of flows through that or beyond that. What I'm trying to help people see is that if there's any kind of sticking point in their openness, if something gets stuck in a kind of wallowing, which is almost a circular going round and round and round, it's because they're engaging in resistance rather than pure openness. Uh-huh. And so there are these practice that I call the resonance practice that I teach, which basically says that if you are opening and just completely letting go of an attempt to hold or make meaning or judge or uh, judge yourself or the other, if you simply allowing yourself to feel at the level of the body and the emotions. So you, you, letting go of the meaning-making machine of the minds, 
uh, need to make it into something, what one will find is that the emotions and the, the somatic experience in the body will arise, it'll peak, it will maybe be stronger than one's general experience and may be frightening or maybe really difficult to be with, but that's part of the healing. It'll peak like a bell curve, literally. It'll peak and it'll start to fall away of its own accord in a session. I'm not saying that this is a permanent resolution. This mm -hmm. is a particular practice you engage in on your own, in a session with yourself, where you're, you're practicing just very, very, very deep surrender. Um, and then you can see if you're getting stuck. Of course, if someone tries that, and they're not being in any way successful, and it seems to be re-traumatizing them in a way that they, they're not helpful, then maybe they're not ready to do the work on their own. They may need to get the help of a, a therapist, psychologist, etc. But most of the people that I've worked with, not necessarily everyone, a combination of their own spiritual depth, their emotional maturity, various guidelines, and multiple sessions with themselves doing the practice in a way that I can help give them feedback on. So they go practice, they come back, and then they report what they experienced. And then I'll help them see if they were wallowing, how did they do that and how to, to do something different the next time or try something different. Mm -hmm. So it's a practice of very deep surrender, but it, it can be really challenging because if you're really letting go more deeply, it is going to bring that content out more fully, but it's very, very powerful if it can be if it can be done in that way and yeah i don't know if that's explaining it fully no, enough does that make sense to you sure. jonathan it does it does definitely yeah 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 it makes sense to me too and it seems like a major distinction between wallowing and what you're talking about is in wallowing we're still caught up in the narrative in the story around the emotion and right. whatever strategy we're having to prevent having that emotion as opposed to seeing that it is actually a physical chemical thing that's coursing through our body and seeing if we can open and allow it to come and go exactly exactly and even you know i teach as well that there's a whole way to to precede you know before you do a session like this with yourself you know i have some material that i share with people and various instructions about welcoming what's there with a kindness and a loving energy so you, you're not judging you, you're noticing when the mind is adding meaning and you're allowing yourself to to fall into or open into you could say almost a pure open experience of the emotional if the emotional content the emotions and the, the sensations in the body rather than paying all the attention to the mental overlay, which is what's going to create the wallowing. So even very deep repressed emotions, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that someone who has incredibly deep trauma and has never worked with a therapist or feels frightened of this work, I'm not in any way suggesting that they should simply try this on their own. You know, depending on the degree of trauma, Getting skillful help in the form of a psychologist is, I would generally recommend. But for people who've maybe done some of that work or whatever, if there's a readiness and there's a willingness and there's, they've done, they have enough spiritual context to engage the practice, 
then it's the welcoming of the experience and the feeling of what is arising at the level of the emotions and the, the body itself, the sensations, that shows you actually that the whole, the, tra the trauma or the repressed or contracted emotional content is very strongly driven by what you've made of it, the meaning that's been added. And some of that is not done consciously. You know, if one has had a very difficult experience or some traumatic event, that is almost etched into the being on levels that go really deep, including the nervous system and the brain. It's, you know, there are different neural pathways that have been created. So I don't want to minimize the work that a therapist might need to do to help someone if they've had, you know, really deep, if they've got really deep content and mm -hmm. trauma that they can't deal with. But spiritually, as I say, if, if there's a readiness and if there's an ability, there's a way to engage it where you welcome that content. And then you notice how much of your general experience is pure resistance. The mind is constantly trying to manipulate reality. It's trying to get from here to there from this moment to the next moment, because something in this moment is not good enough. There's something missing. There's something amiss. Even if one is not dealing with trauma or you're having a really beautiful and pleasant experience, the mind will try to either hold on to that or now it's afraid that that might be lost. So there's a constant underlying dynamic that I call the push-pull. It's described in Buddhism. You know, the Buddha had it in his five poisons he listed it aversion and craving exactly that's the dynamic of the self and that's very very involved that dynamic is very involved in the the processing of emotions it's just a mm -hmm. deeper a deeper form a great answer um you mentioned earlier about beliefs and you know we have so many beliefs that trap us in illusion of various kinds how do you help people to see the beliefs that are particularly creating trouble for themselves? Okay. So when we're having a discussion like this, and anyone in your audience who's listening, if we're discussing something and their experience doesn't align or match with what we're discussing, or something I'm sharing, or a pointer or a teacher that they're working with, or some deep spiritual text that they're, they're working with, if your own experience, if your own understanding, if your so-called belief structure or your worldview is not in alignment with what the teacher or teacher is pointing to, mm -hmm. that immediately shows you there's something going on there. What is that? <laughs> the teacher's pointing to something that it's a deeper view than the one that you have. What is causing or creating your low or limited view? It's, it's generally a series of what you could describe as beliefs, assumptions, um, identification with parts of the self, presumptions about the nature of reality. So the moment you engage in deep work and deep inquiry, you'll start to see these things right away. The teacher says X and your experience is Y. The gap between X and Y is, is your fundamentally your belief structure which has got to do with how you've been conditioned. Your belief structure is not something that you've created consciously. It's very, very complex. And it, you know, it, it comes from all the different experiences you've had in the course of your life. So that's one way of seeing it. There are all sorts of other ways of pointing, for example. There's certain categories that I'm aware of that create very big sticking points. And I've mentioned them 
a number of them already in our discussion, things like fear, things like inexperience, all sorts of conditioning that you might have learnt learnt about or you might have had happen to you through your family upbringing, your education, shadow, blind spots, your own defensiveness, what you think the self is, what you think the nature of reality is, any of those categories, if you go into any of that territory more deeply, take a few deep pointers and inquire, it'll start to reveal to you that you're not just relating to reality it's as if it's a blank slate or some kind of empty thing. Or No, there's a whole lot of filters that you are using, not consciously, they're they arise automatically that constitute your worldview. Those we need to we need to we need to see those. And so a combination of inquiry, working with a spiritual teacher, comparing deep teaching or the spiritual teacher's experience with your own, what accounts for that gap is going to be your belief structure fundamentally. And then there are ways of, of course, that's big territory. You know, what, okay, which beliefs in particular then? You might then look at key habit patterns in your life or key patterns of conditioned behaviors, speech and action in your life. Um, when I teach, I often refer to that as looking for where your dragons are. Of course, there's lots of areas of your own belief structure and conditioning. But if you look for the biggest ones, what's coming up in your life right now? Are there certain deep patterns of engagement in life that show up are you frequently having problems with money or is there some addiction issue are you having difficulties in relationship with others do you have a lot of self-doubt do you commit to practice but then not do it can you see these i'm just giving you some examples so you mm -hmm. look at a combination of what the teacher is pointing to the gap between the pointer and how you're living as well as what's coming up in your life and through that you distill and this is where the teacher can help you very significantly. I'll point out to people, go look at this, focus on that. Look at this because these are your big dragons. Mm. If you then go into those, those areas, you will be able to see through a combination of understanding what the higher or right view or clearer view is, which is what spiritual teachers teach. When I'm teaching people, when I'm speaking, what am I doing right now? I'm challenging your belief structure right now as I'm speaking. Anything that you disagree with, okay, that'll be an interest, that'll be interesting. Or something I might say that you feel, oh, I've never thought about that in that way before. I've never experienced that. What, what is that showing you? That's showing you aspects of your belief structure or maybe in experience mm -hmm. that you could then go into more deeply through inquiry to to let go of those beliefs that imprison you in a more limited view. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm curious about that you mentioned a couple of times earlier that one of your, one of your teaching methods that you use is transmission. And I'm very curious as to how that works because I, everything that you've described so far has been sort of instructional things that, practices that I can do, but this seems different. Right. So the transmission is not something that is controlled by the individual teacher. The teacher is a vessel. So this vessel is given over to higher consciousness to teach. So that transmission comes through the clarity. You know, if I, if I had a lot of 
egoic content in the way, it would limit the degree of the, of the way in which that consciousness can flow through the vessel. So there is no personal eye that is controlling it. It's not a magic wand. It's in fact not magic. It's really pure higher consciousness that is working in a very, very profound way. So for example, the fact that we're having this engagement together, guess what, what created that? You might think, well, Jonathan and Brian invited Leslie, and so you created it. I'm going to tell you, you did not. It's consciousness playing in these different forms, and it's invoking and pulling into its view, its life, through these different avatars and these different beings, what it needs and what it wants to further explore or open or experience itself at, at higher and higher levels. So it's not just something that comes through this physical vessel of a Leslie. It's working in the whole field. And of course, the closer one is to that teacher, it can be quite a, it's, a, it's quite a hot energy that I will say. It, it's going to, generally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake things up in your life. And so am I sitting here as Leslie trying to say, well, Jonathan and Brian, I need to shake something up or something else I'm working with. It's not under the conscious control of a being called Leslie. In fact, that doesn't really that doesn't exist in the way you think it does. It's using this vessel to communicate and to work with people. That's what it's doing right now. And it's doing that on a, on a multi-dimensional level. It's not just through words or some kind of energetic transmission. It's doing it through the fullness of your life and being you might suddenly notice some things come along in your life or the, that's generally what happens when, when people engage the work more deeply, they start to notice that it coincides with some things happening in their life. Some of them are challenging. It might be things that life is bringing you to see through these dragons that we're speaking about. Yeah, they will, they'll start to come up. And of course, through my words, I'm invoking that in a, in a particular way, quite consciously. And so the energy and the connection with people doesn't only occur when there's a direct communication as we're doing right now with the two of you and with all these beautiful beings who are your audience. That occurs even when the Zoom call ends. And so it's very, very profound. It's the whole field that is interacting with itself on a very high intelligence and it's using this particular teaching vessel in a way to kind of orchestrate certain things, but not like a magician. And it's not me that's doing it. I'm, I'm a vessel for that. Um, right. It sounds like uh, what we really are and what you really are is the same thing. And we're sort of talking to ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. You, you've invited me to speak to you because I'm yourself, maybe this in this form, through this body-mind, it's open to something deeper than that body-mind is open to. But, but basically, you're talking to yourself right now at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And that self is not actually a self at all. It's divine energy. It's pure consciousness. And it, it is supreme, unlimited intelligence. And it's not a physical form. It's very, very, very profound. So there are no limits to how it can work. And if there's openness in the vessel that I'm working with, it can, 
very profound things can move really fast. But generally what happens is there's a lot of resistance that arises. Obviously, people get frightened and, and that's fine. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Leslie is giving such poetic answers. Um, we do want to leave time for you to do a guided meditation. But I also want to say if there's anything that you feel must be said that we didn't ask or you didn't cover, that uh, now would be a good time to do that before the meditation. Right. Well, I have millions of things I could say, and I love <laughs> exactly. to say it. It's kind of um, an absurd request. Yeah. Uh, maybe one or t- to try and limit that to one or two. Whatever you think this is, this work is the spiritual work. One thing I can assure you is it's infinitely deeper than anything that you think it is. It is infinitely more profound than anything you can conceive. It does not work on the level that a human being understands. It cannot be known with the mind, which is why we deconstruct, and that doesn't leave you in some kind of vegetative state. It leaves you with a vessel that is clear with the, the gray matter, the brain or the mind, the nervous system and the vessel is used as so you could say a conduit or a channel for pure consciousness itself. How it differs from a channeler is a channeler is generally channeling maybe something slightly higher in terms of energy, but the channeler itself is just a vessel and isn't open to and maybe knowing or being that higher consciousness itself. That's the distinction between channelers and essentially what I'm doing or what this territory of enlightenment is about. The fullness of the enlightenment is an awareness that that oneself is the whole thing together with everything else. It's not just like something is being conducted through this energy. It's a living, alive transmission of eternal ancient being Mm -hmm. that is your very own self. And so it's speaking many times to the depths of your, your being that already knows this. This is a process of remembering. And, of course, this looks like you because here I've got hair and I'm wearing a top and my name is Leslie. And I can assure you this deep territory, just because I might look like you or another teacher might look like you, it is a vastness, a profundity without words. and. You know, when we use terms like ineffable, it's for good reason. It literally, in the deeper territory, the words dissolve. The words are not there. You will hear that I start, like even now, to become sort of somewhat incoherent, even though it might sound like I'm very coherent. I'm only that because I teach people. And so I've learned to kind of show up in a particular way. But in the very deep territory, it's it transcends existence and non-existence. It's a whole other world. It's a complete other world. And it's a world that I invite, not that I need to invite, but this is part of what I do, is to try and inspire and invite people to discover themselves at a deeper and deeper level, a deep yeah. dive into your own consciousness. So nothing you can do in this lifetime comes anywhere close to this profundity beyond words so anything you think you've come to already my encouragement to to all your listeners would be find a teaching or a teacher 
that you that you feel good about and dive in more deeply if if that feels like you move to that sounds wonderful and and perhaps we can dive more deeply by you leading us in a guided meditation perfect that sounds very good very happy to do that okay so i invite everyone jonathan and brian and everyone listening in whatever time frame you listen we're all together we're here right now together close your eyes take a few deep breaths and allow yourself to be present right here just relaxed we're not trying to do something weird or special just very deeply relaxed there's nothing that you have to do for the next 10, 15 minutes as we do this guided meditation. You can come back to any of the doing that you need to do later. But for right now, take these deep breaths, relax, and just be present here in a way that feels soft and expansive as if you're dropping down into the depths of your own consciousness. So I often use metaphors when I'm doing a guided meditation just to help give you a more poetic sense of what this is and what you're doing to help take you deeper. So this is all a metaphor, but feel free to just feel it and resonate with it rather than take it into the level of your mind. So allow your being to just move with me as we sit here together. So imagine right now in your deep, still rested space that you're in right now. And if it's not, doesn't feel deep and it doesn't feel still and it doesn't feel rested, well, you don't need to worry about that because you or deeper than whatever feels perturbed or slightly jangled or a little tense or contracted or a little ache in your neck or a car hooting in the background or a dog barking or someone in your household moving around and you're feeling, oh, I hate that. It's going to interfere with my meditation. No, it's not. The stillness that you are is deeper than anything that's going to arise as we're sitting here together right now. So if something feels restless in your being, your body, your mind, your emotions, and you feel, well, I'm not following along very well, allow that restlessness or whatever's there to be there. You are deeper than the restlessness that's there. And that's the part of you that I'm speaking to right now. That part is always there. You're just not conscious of it because so much of your attention is on the surface of your being in the doing and all of these beliefs and ideas about yourself that in a way trap your consciousness or seem to keep it entrapped at a much more shallow vantage point 
So whatever is arising right now, whatever it is, it's totally fine. It's totally perfect. And underneath and prior to that is a stillness beyond words right here, right now, for everyone. So how you access that stillness is by letting go more deeply. So as we're sitting here together now, there may be a sense that you allow yourself to almost free fall into a depth that is deeper, deeper into the stillness. Now we don't need to worry and have the mind worry about, well, I don't know if I'm doing it right or what is the level of depth that I've reached. Simply relax more deeply and allow yourself to drop or let go of anything that you may be holding on to. Even thoughts or feelings or sensations, simply let those go. And allow the consciousness, the being that you are, to free fall. You could say that's a metaphor. It may feel like a sinking or a descent, but it doesn't necessarily have to. So the metaphor we could hear, use here is imagine you're, you're like a vast, still, deep, energetic ocean of consciousness. And what you're doing right now is you're free-falling into the depths of the still, energetic ocean of consciousness that you are. And because it's an energetic ocean, it doesn't have a bottom. There's nothing you can bump into. There's nothing to be frightened of. You're relaxing, resting in the depth of the more still layers of your own being, which ultimately are not personal in the way that you think they are. You're touching into an energetic ocean of consciousness that is one field the consciousness that you think you are is not limited or stuck in a body-mind. It's vast and expansive. And you're simply allowing yourself to be even untethered or allow the binding force to the body-mind to just relax. It doesn't matter what's happening in the body-mind right now. Open into this soft, still space. That is deeper than any thought or meaning or commentary the mind might make or emotion or physical sensation in the body. We don't have to fight with those. Those are not a problem. But those we could simply say are like 
aspects at the surface of being, I sometimes say those are like leaves or debris on the top. They're floating on the top of this deep energetic ocean that you are. So if a thought is arising or you notice your mind commenting on something or you're noticing a feeling in the body, all of those aspects of thought and feeling and sensation are simply aspects floating at the top of this energetic ocean. You don't have to rush to the surface every time a piece of content comes up, a thought, a feeling, a sensation. You can rest even right now. Rest, relax, rest in a stillness where you may be aware of the content. You may be aware of a thought or a knee aching or a dog barking. But something is just disinterested in that for right now. You're not paying attention to that. And in that sense, you're creating space to attune to something deeper in you that is not constantly grabbing at the content and not making it a problem either. So as we rest here together, might sense or feel or notice the beauty stillness there is no problem here whatsoever and yet you might be aware of things arising Deeper than that awareness is the stillness. In a way, to go back to the metaphor of the ocean, if you're resting in the depths of this deep energetic ocean, even if a storm blows up at the surface and you're aware of it, there could be a typhoon, a hurricane blowing on the surface, but is it impacting the depth? Of this energetic ocean? It is not. It doesn't mean that everything will disappear from your view and there's zero content, zero thought, zero sensation, and zero feeling. It might be, but that doesn't have to be the case. You're aware that there's a storm blowing up at the surface. But you are resting in the sanctuary and the spaciousness of this depth. Which may be aware or even noticing or observing or witnessing that. But over time, less and less entangled in that. There's a relief here. There's something very precious and very beautiful. It's very hard to put words to. We don't need words. 
just allow yourself to be that spaciousness. Resting more in the spaciousness in your meditation can be also translated into your moment-to-moment -moment practice where you feel or sense even, even one tiny degree of separation from the entanglement is already a step forward. It's a little more attunement to this higher consciousness. And this still expansiveness has immense layers of depth. And in its deepest layers, one can feel the very source of the entire universe, which is yourself. All that, whatever words you want to, doesn't have a name, but it's, it's not dull, void, frightening territory. It's profound, a profound being, you could say, of infinite intelligence, love and tenderness. That's your very own being. And it's played a little game of hide-and-seek with you in this lifetime. It's forgotten deliberately that it was itself, and now it's called you, you've called yourself by some other name, John or Mary or Sue or Stephen or whatever that might be. But this stillness that you touch into in meditation and spiritual inquiry is your true nature. A lot of beautiful depth and it's, it's beckoning you and calling you if you're listening to this and participating in this guided meditation. It's inviting you to go deeper and meet yourself on a deeper and deeper level. Touching into the stillness, the spaciousness is the beginning of that journey. So we will just spend another minute or two just resting and relaxing in the spaciousness no matter what may be coming up simply try to rest as that which is deeper than what is coming up and just do that together for a minute or two and then I will bring the meditation to a close
Well, thank you, Leslie. That was beautiful. It's a little hard to talk now, but uh, <laughs> I really appreciated the depth of that meditation. And um, uh, people can find out more about you at leslieskyler.com, L-E-S-L-E-Y-S-K-Y-L-A-R.com. We are honored with your presence and all the great things you said. And any last words, Brian? Well, I really feel that you've offered our listeners an open-hearted invitation. And I'm really grateful for that. So thank you for joining us. So I'm having a hard time putting thoughts together now, but uh, I want to thank you. Uh, we also want to thank our Patreon supporters. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers and tell you how we can give you extra stuff and um, amazing interviews like the one we just had with Leslie. And um, any last words, Brian? Because I'm not very verbal now. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. This does sometimes happen after these beautiful and deep meditations that somehow words seem inadequate. But thank you as always the best. And as always, keep exploring. Much love and keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.